What is the crack? Welcome back to the Performance Project Podcast, the podcast that aims to provide amateur athletes with a professional standard of performance information with the whole goal of making you a better athlete. So Sean, what do you have coming up today? Um, today we're going to try and help athletes make the smooth transition from isolation into back to play. Yeah, yeah, it's essential really well. Like, so, well, we've been in quarantine at this stage, what, in Ireland, probably two, three months? Yeah, they'd say about two, three months. Um, there definitely hasn't been sports since, what, I'd say March, like, so, uh, yeah, bodies won't be able for it unless, you know, like, they won't be used to the high workload, like, so, yeah, I think a gradual transition back to normal return to play is essential. Exactly, like, you're not going to go from gear one to gear five, like, it's like, it's going to take a gradual increase, and I think people have to kind of accept that, not kind of jump back into programs they did before um you're not going to be able to lift deadlift 100 kg like you did prior to um lockdown so they just have to like manage their expectations i suppose yeah yeah so i think a nice place to start with it is with a bit of research so um i've mentioned it before but tim gabbett so he's this australian physio researcher right and he's done a bit of work on like kind of acute chronic workload ratios so basically uh to like layman's terms that it's basically your chronic workload ratio is the average workload of your past four weeks and your acute is your workload of this past week and basically if that like exceeds two so if you do twice as much this week as your average of the last four weeks, you're at a five to seven greater times risk of injury, which is absolutely mad. Um, but yeah, there's kind of a debate about the kind of efficacy of that ratio of that like specific number, but like the kind of same yeah. principle applies anyway. So like if you have any spikes in your acute workload, like you're going to be at greater risk of injury. So yeah, just gradual return back to play is so essential. And for like people who wouldn't be so familiar with workload, what is, what is workload? So yeah, so basically it's just your overall training load. So it would be your volume by the intensity. So you can get as technical as you want with it, like, but say say if I did two gym sessions last week, or say the last four weeks, I've done two or three gym sessions. And then this week I do five gym sessions. Do you know, like it's way more this week than last week. Like that's the general principle. That's the kind of main salient point that I'm trying to get across like that. Yeah, it's just a gradual return to your usual um, like playing standards and playing intensity as opposed to jumping straight back in, as you were saying. So it's a, a kind of accumulation of like all your all the activities you're doing and whether they're intense or not. Like so. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't like as if as if like you're taking a break for say two three months and then you're not going to go from as I said gear one to gear five. It has to be a gradual increase or else you're look you're you're asking for for injuries like. Yeah, so like even if we look at around the world, like so say Bundesliga is back. Yeah. So I, I mentioned it before, but it's crazy statistic. Like so in the first eight game or in the first six games back even, there was eight muscle injuries, which is unheard of. Like, um and yeah, so even like further stats just on the Bundesliga and then first six games, uh there was fifty percent of the ground coverage compared to pre COVID, you know? Jeez, so like yeah. it's it's a completely different game, like Jeez, if they're running half. Fifty percent is big. It's crazy, yeah. So that just like points towards are the players deconditioned or like is the game just slower or I don't know. Um, yeah. And like as well as that, there was uh, 59% of the overall sprint load. So there was a, like a 41% reduction in the amount of sprint volume, which again, like is crazy. Jesus, like, oh, Jesus that's unheard of. I've never, mm. that's crazy. Especially because like, well, like we're amateur, most of us listen to this that are amateur athletes. Like, and if players of that caliber are losing that much performance like god knows what we're, what's going to happen to us we, we'd be barely running at all like i know yeah like i feel there's a lot of kind of pressure on coaches now like say just like yeah rugby amateur coaches like to kind of be responsible and to ensure like a gradual progression of their players because like at the end of the day like athletes just do what their coaches tell them to an extent yeah. 
you know? So I think a lot of the onus has to come on the coaches to be smart and maybe to liaise with uh, people who would be more kind of like aware and things like that. So maybe S&T coaches, things like that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, or else you're, if you're jumping straight back into pre-lockdown kind of intensities and volumes, you're asking for injuries. Exactly. And I think, but like, say now in J and like, say from, you're like in a local junior C club and you're going back training and the manager has no interest in the science, no interest in uh, physio, nothing. He's just like, we're going to train the shit out of you now for, for two or three hours and uh-huh. do that three or four times a week. How would you recommend a player? Like, kind of, it's it, just a yeah, like, stand up it, for itself. It's like. a tricky one to, to give, like, a kind of general recommendation. Yeah, like, But what I'd say the important thing is, like, to gradually build up the volume of high-intensity bouts. So, like, yeah. I'll break that down a little bit. So, like, say, high-intensity bouts, like, say, max sprinting. So uh, we know that we want graded exposure to this. So just like a gradual increase in the amount of sprints we do. Um, But I think, yeah, it's just smart, uh, like for the first few sessions to like work on kind of submaximal fitness and then, or like maybe before the fitness kind of work, I'd say get in your high intensity work. So say a few sprints, but like after a solid warm up and then kind of uh, decrease the intensity of, of the session, like as the players kind of fatigue. So as opposed to at the end of the session, like running the fuck out of them, like I'd say, maybe uh, start off with those high intensity stuff and then just kind of uh, lower the intensity as it goes on. And yeah. that's what I'd probably say for the first few ones. And you know, the fact that like, you were involved with a few teams, like have you experienced like coaches kind of ignoring your kind of suggestions or like? Uh, yeah, well, I like, see a lot of my input now. Like, so in fairness, I was, uh, so say working at ECD, I was a student. So I suppose you only have so much kind of um, yeah. bargaining power there. like. Yeah, uh, but in fairness, I was working with another club, right? And um, like they would kind of respect you and respect what you're saying. But I think, yeah, the fact that you're graduating your actual physio it gets you a little more um, kind of credibility. So yeah, I know there's, there's been teams like for even me personally, like when I said I'm perfect, and like they listen to me rather than the physio, and the physio know more than me. And then then I go out and play and get injured, and the physio will be like, "I told you," Stop. that kind of way. They just like they they kind of ignore the physio. They're like, "Oh, the player knows better." rather than the actual qualified professional yeah do you know i think it's, it's such a thing like among athletes that like physios are viewed as like and fair enough it's probably rightfully so physios are always the people that uh, are kind of trying to hold you back and like exactly. oh like i don't want you to do that much and uh yeah being over responsible but i suppose like to a small extent that's their job to be responsible but um yeah like it's kind of not a good perception to have really especially like if you're a physio for a team you don't want your athletes thinking of you as oh no god i don't want to see him because he'll make me miss training you know <laughs> yeah. so it's just the balance you have to strike if you're a physio and like when i know now players will go back and they'll be eager to like perform and back back every train every training session and like that will increase the risk of injury because you're less likely to go to a physio if you feel a bit tight you're less likely to put out a training if you're a bit tight but like one piece of advice i'd give is like you're better you're better missing one training session than the rest of the season because like if if we live like I played, I've played both sides of that card, and the better is the better card, better side of the card is to just take the one session off, get your body right again, and then go again the next day. Exactly, yeah, just be a bit responsible about it. And I think like this time, uh, like this return to play now more than ever, like there's there'll never be more of an emphasis on injury prevention because like we've never had in any sport a kind of preseason, kind of off season type thing where it's been this long, do you know. Um, so yeah, I think there has to be a huge emphasis on uh, managing overall training loads and just a gradual return to play. Um, yeah, so I think if you don't do that, really, you're asking for injuries. And like just trying to kind of bring it back in and like what kind of 
like physiological adaptations like would would occur with the kind of detraining or like you know the isolation the lack of training mm-hmm. like what kind of kind of like things will happen your muscles your like yes so i suppose there's a few kind of ways of looking at it like so say if i take the most basic example say it's a like tendon so i mentioned this before yeah. but like going back to that nfl lockout so for people who haven't heard it's just a period in 2011 where there's basically uh, 120 days where no games went ahead and then once uh, play resumed there was a 240 percent increase in achilles tendon ruptures um so it's kind of a long proven thing um that uh, decreased load or yeah, decreased training load uh, predisposes your tendons to injury. Um, so I think yeah. tendon injuries potentially, if people haven't been keeping up to date with their plyometrics or sprinting, all these like high intensity kind of movements over the quarantine period, then they could potentially be like predisposed to um, tendon injuries. So I think that is a big thing that you will see. Um, and even like I just saw a news article from Everton uh, training camp and they were saying yeah. that one of their players is out now. He has to get major surgery on his Achilles uh, I don't know now whether that's sign of things to come or is that coincidence like but <laughs> yeah I know what you mean so. um other than that then I'd say like just general fatigue I'd say like general uh detraining so just like your cardiovascular fitness yeah um say so people fair enough like people would be running in bits and bobs but like I mean it's a lot different to doing your three train sessions a week and a game in the weekend you know yeah. um and we know like the more fatigued you are the more likely you are at risk of an injury so like say come the second half of games like once we start into these preseason games like there could be huge amounts of injuries when people are fatigued um so yeah that's another big area and for like quicker athletes like myself there's kind of the hypothesis that like with the inactivity the kind of you know the fast twitch muscle fibers that Mm -hmm. like sprinters have more of than than like say endurance athletes like these fast twitch muscle fibers are believed to like transition into slow type during these periods of inactivity so that's why like i think that like sprinters and kind of quick uh quick quick quicker athletes need to be especially careful going back because the fast twitch fibers aren't um they weren't uh, used to the they didn't like adapt to the training load so they have to adapt now once they go back yeah exactly like so like to for them fast twitch fibers you need like high intensity stimulus to keep them going so if people haven't say if you've been doing your like 5k's and that but you haven't been doing high intensity stuff where you're uh demanding like that kind of um like atp production like kind of high intensity exercise then yeah potentially you could have like um detraining of them type 2 fibers yeah and like oh just for just a quick summary like for people who don't know what are what's the difference between fast twitch and slow twitch in like who has fast twitch who is slow twitch yeah so you kind of alluded to it there like so uh fast yeah. twitch are ty- these like t- type 2 fibers and you can go in depth like like two type 2a type 2x all the rest of it but like basically uh fast twitch fibers are um like the power producers so they're used for like short uh duration high intensity exercise so like yeah. as you're saying like sprinters so when you have to do the high intensity work so things like jumping, all things like that are maximal force production. Um, and then your type one fibers would be uh, your kind of uh, low intensity, longer duration type stuff. So all your kind of postural muscles. So say the muscles that keep your posture upright, uh, as you're saying, like long distance runners, things like that, yeah. where it's a low level of intensity over a longer period. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And like, say, you know, from depending on which way you looked at isolation, like you could come out of this with poor hygiene, not poor, not poor hygiene, but poor nutrition. <laughs> Speak for yourself, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just 
<laughs> don't sh- only share one destination. <laughs> yeah, um, just like poor quality, like your sleep quality's down. Just like you've kind of got into these negative kind of lifestyle habits, and like these can lead to like increasing body fat and decreased muscle mass. And like, it'll, like how do people say you just you've just taken the whole of isolation off, done no exercise? Like, how would you personally kind of try and change? to get back to normal get back to like a normal ish routine to kind of yeah. body fat and stuff well yeah it's, it's a tough one like but i'd say like bit by bit is probably the cliche answer to give like exactly um but i think probably sleep as you alluded to there like sleep is probably like the cornerstone of anything like it's like of, yeah. of fat loss of recovery of performance you know so i think that's an easy thing to start pinning down like and i'm like i'm not gonna pretend i'm any like fucking like sure i went to bed at probably three o'clock last night you know like (laughs) nothing special at all i only preach but um yeah like so even sleep just in terms of injury prevention like we know that if like people are or athletes are getting less than eight hours there's like 1.7 times uh the chance of increased injury risk yeah Uh, so again it's just another arbitrary number to throw at you but like yeah it just shows (laughs) the fact that uh sleep is like so important for injury prevention again yeah i know like once everyone like i know when everyone goes back there's gonna be huge focus on fitness and like aerobic fitness and like i know like the, the like on friday now we've a like a fitness test with our club called the bronco oh yes i heard of it yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so Bowden like, bird apparently the new zealand yeah. rugby is an unbelievable one he demolished it he got like 412 which is like insane what actually is it what is the test so you start and um, you run so it's like a shuttle test really so you go 20 40 60 and back meters and then you drop by five and it's you literally just do it in the quickest time possible and it is gut-wrenching it is uh, it is tough now to be what's fair. the overall distance uh 1.2k he did it in oh fair enough shuttle doing that yeah. on rail yeah, fair yeah. and he was he was moving as well but like like do you think that would be the right approach for coaches going back like just just to fling them into a fitness test let's see how, how well they did in isolation Ah, well, like a, something like a Bronco like that, like, because it's not, um, do you know, the sh- kind of shuttle nature of it, like, um, I'd say that it obviously is a safe thing to do, like, yeah. um, it's not like it's just like a 1K sprint, do you know, at least with the shuttle, yeah. it, there's a bit of like, um, like starting and stopping, do you know, um, and I think you do have to get a level of your player's kind of current fitness level and then start building from there and you'll be able to maybe highlight players that will need extra work in extra areas. Um, yeah. Because like as I was saying, that like that deconditioning aspect, certain players will have done less over this period than others. So they'll yeah. need to work in more areas um, to get them to the level that they need to be at. So yeah, I think it's an important thing to do. Um, yeah. How are you feeling about it? A bit daunted? Uh, <laughs> um, I wouldn't be a big fan of the fitness test now yeah, just because yeah. that wouldn't be my kind of... Uh forte so we say i'm more of a sprinter rather than a uh, long distance but i think like it, it would be good like kind of barometer as to see like did people actually do the work prescribed over um isolation and kind of see who really who really cares about do playing ga the season and who kind of just took the whole of isolation off but it is understandable because like no one knew when it was back so it's hard to criticize people when they, there was no end goal in sight is there any actual fix that at the moment um, I think like for competitively we're allowed back on like the twentieth. I think it's like the twentieth of July or around that time. So, I think that's, that's when gyms are open too. Actually, I think it's like the it? start of phase four. I think that's the final phase. So I think that everything's probably open oh, since that's from phase, then on. Yeah, it's the final phase. So that's class. So are you not allowed to train till then, or? Um, we're we're actually allowed to train now in groups of ten, but the Correct. GA pitches are closed. So we have to we uh, <laughs> car parks, but <laughs> yeah, literally car parks and like find like Tremor Tremor Valley Park now yeah, yeah. in there and 
we're just looking for it. Like the rugby pitches are, I think the rugby pitches are open, aren't they? A uh, lot, I've no idea to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I, think, <laughs> I, I think soccer pitches are as open are open. Really, it's just yeah, that's it's very just strange. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah, it's it's. I think it's an insurance problem, or that's what they're saying. Ah, oh, stop! Go ahead, yeah. it's a cop out. It's, a... <laughs> it's an absolute cop out. So right. I think we've talked about kind of return to training, uh, fairly comprehensively. Like it's all about that gradual progression, and like a lot of the onus is on the coaches to do that. Um, but yeah. I think another thing too for players is um, like your progression back to the gym, like. So, say, what would your advice be for someone, say, if somebody is training their normal, like, say, five times a week, and then they've just done home workouts during quarantine, what would you say to them now, coming back once gym to you open? Um, Jesus, I was I was the same. I did, like, I took, like, I took two or three weeks off there, and I did the first gym session last Monday, and I couldn't walk on Tuesday. Uh. <laughs> I, was, I, <laughs> I was walking like there was something, there was something stuck. To, it was literally just, I could not walk, and, like, I think... Like in isolation, it was kind of all body weight exercises, and you were like working to failure. Um, so now I think you can like tone it back a bit and just work on like quality and like quality of the reps rather than failure. Like you could have a few reps in the bag if that makes sense, rather than working your ass off to the point where you're, you feel like your hamstrings are gonna go. Yeah, oh, definitely. Like, so I'd say, like, um, at home, like, generally, load was the limiting factor. So, like, people yeah. don't have a lot of weight. But now, at least when you're back in gyms, you know, so when you're at home and you don't have a lot of load, you're having to push yourself towards failure to try and get this, like, metabolic stress, to try and, like, maintain the muscle mass. But now the fact that you're able to bring back the load, you can drop that uh, volume, really. Yeah. Uh, so to get the same adaptions, you know, don't need as many reps, uh, which kind of makes sense. Yeah. And just one question, like, I've had, I had over the years is, like, should you train with dams? Um, yeah, like, I mean, there's no clear answer to it. I mean, like, it's probably not going to do any damage to you training with dams. Yeah. But um, you'd question, like, have you, is your training load, like, correctly kind of programmed if you are having to train with dams? Yeah. Um, so, like, initially, say, people come back to the gym now, like, people are definitely going to be, have serious dams. So, oh, dams, yeah. for, for people who don't know, delayed onset muscle soreness. So, it's basically just the pains that you experience after a new kind of training stimulus. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like again, I'd say there's no black and white answer in whether you should train with DOMS, but I'd say um, your probably overall training volume should be uh, programmed a little better if you are having to train with DOMS. Um, yeah, that's what I'd that's, say. A bit of a cop out answer, like, but. No, you fit the nail in the head there, but it's literally just pretty much like even it's the athlete's responsibility to know their body. Like, if your body is killing you, you're like, you should know, okay, maybe I shouldn't do the sprint work here, or maybe I should take, take a night off. Um, I know, like, even, like, people will be so eager to get back and just train. But as I said before, like, you'd rather miss one session in the whole season. Absolutely, 100%. And, like, say, it's a, just, like, a few kind of quick tips for people who say wouldn't be involved in like their training is programmed for them i'd say like something that i'm going to do myself anyway, and that i'd probably recommend a lot of amateur athletes today or just amateur gym goers yeah. say to so take your uh pre-covid or pre-quarantine gym routine and like literally half the volume so like half the number of sets and take them the intensity so like i use an rpe to track my intensity so yeah. that's a rating of zero to ten on basically how difficult you find the exercise yeah um so say if i was to do um say squat i was doing 140 ag five reps of five and that was at an intensity of like eight to nine rp so now after covid i'm gonna like drop that down hugely so i'll do three sets of five and i'll do it at an rp of maybe six to seven so that might yeah. be i don't know 105 110 kg so you're hugely dropping it but then it's just about kind of re-ingraining those neural patterns because like your body will have 
uh well not forgotten the neural patterns but you kind of just have to get those wires firing again firing if that makes again. sense yeah uh -huh. geez, if you're squatting that's a bit that's a lot to be squatting <laughs> oh lad that was pre-covid now wait come back to me and i swear to god i haven't done a squat i'd say in about three months so my quad, so quads have shrunk big squat uh, um yeah in but... fairness I was, I was 88 kg at the time i'm now 82 so <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> desperate like at least you went down instead of up um i can't say the same for myself i went the other way <laughs> did you yeah go on yeah. much weight gain uh two kg i think not too bad ah that's grand boy yeah. fair enough you're doing um, plenty of work though you're doing plenty of running stuff exactly yeah we, we, we roll with that yeah <laughs> <laughs> but just like kind of with kind of taking a kind of wider look at it like sport sport was a was a casualty of covid like but it also like can lead to like it's, it's also like a form of optimism and kind of platform where people can get excited again like people will look forward to going out playing matches going out back training and um, like people people are looking forward to like the ga championship now people are looking forward to soccer coming back the premier league la liga and like it's just kind of optimism and kind of delight at the end of the tunnel really 100 percent, yeah like a sport is such an outlet for people like and all this quarantine period is like all it does uh, all it has done is highlighted that like so like yeah. from athletes to supporters to coaches to everyone like it's such a like integral part of just uh a kind of social structure you know yeah and like i think it's like people have realized how important it actually is in life and like how like what the role it does play um and just like how like even like meeting up for a kickabout is just like when that was taken away you were like jesus i didn't know how much that was how much that meant to us or like that kind of way yeah, hundred percent. Like you don't realize, like it's an old cliche. Like you don't realize uh, how good something was until it's taken <laughs> yeah, away from you. Like yeah. which is so true. Like because God, like yeah, I haven't played rugby or gone to the gym in so long. Like you would hugely miss it. Like and it's almost like a gap left in your life. Like so, yeah, people are hundred percent dying for things to reopen. And it's yeah, exactly. And I think it's just something like this has been a crap time, and I think it's finally giving people something to look forward to rather than like you'll be looking at the news, kind of hoping there's no deaths. Well, now you're looking forward to Jesus win sport back. I know, like it's such a psychological switch to now actually like have a date where like things are back on. Yeah. Do you know, um, I was actually reading a blog post that was in like the BJSM, like the British Journal of Sports Medicine. Yeah. And it was actually quite interesting. They were saying that, so this time away from sport, like um, it's terrible and all like, but um, it almost gives us a bit of distance to look at sport as a whole. So there was one author, David Hollis, and he was saying that, like, in the rush to return to normal, uh, let us use this time to consider which parts of normal are worth rushing back to. So um, they're just kind of applying that to sport, which is quite interesting. And they're saying that um, overall, over the past, like, uh, 15 years, there's been a slight decline in participation in, like, usual sports like soccer, rugby, cricket, yeah. whatever these international sports are. And they're just kind of looking like what things can they do to prevent this um so they were kind of theorizing should there be a shift towards more kind of like um say intersex sport or unisex sports so like guys and girls playing together yeah um they said there should be a big increase in that and they're also talking about um soccer specifically because you know there's been a been a bit of research on um like heading in like amateur soccer youth yeah, soccer yeah. and the effect on concussion and they're saying whether like this time away from sports should they now not re or reintroduce new measures um of things like that that reduce injury prevention and like say even uh contact in amateur rugby things like that yeah so yeah people will have their opinions on it but um yeah potentially this time away from sport allows you to view it through a new lens per se jesus yeah that's a that's a very fair point society shifted and i think 
that's kind of where we have to kind of take a step back and kind of look at the bigger picture. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, this kind of quarantine time, like it's coming to an end, thankfully, but it's provided uh, a magnifying glass on like aspects of kind of society and like per your own personal life that like you wouldn't have done before. So that can be, I suppose, beneficial and it can have negatives. Um, yeah. But I suppose take for it what it will, like everyone yeah. kind of had to go through it and yeah, we're coming out the fair side of it. But exactly. anyway, delighted that sport is eventually coming back. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been a while. It's been a while after long last so do we have some takeaway tips for people so amateur athletes getting back to sport what would you say to someone i think you just take it slow don't be too hard on yourself it's if you're not gonna be at the same level you were pre um pre-covid like as you like the bundesliga if their their performance are dropping by 50 percent or distance coverage is dropping by 50 percent like we're we're gonna be the exact same if not more so just take it easy build yourself up um yeah that's the main one i think yeah 100 percent. and i think like if there is any coaches listening to this i feel like the onus kind of has to go on you to a little extent yeah. because if you are coaching amateur athletes realistically they're just going to do what you say and they're going to do the exercise that you prescribe them say like all the running so i'd say yeah just be smart about it and um for high intensity work, I'd say keep it with low volume. So low amounts of high intensity work to begin with, and then gradually build up the amounts of high intensity work as you go on. Um, and then just in terms of gym goers, I'd say half your overall volume. That's something that I'm going to say. And that's what I'm saying to people. Uh, literally half your previous, um, like the previous amounts of sets and reps that you're doing. And uh, yeah, you know yourself, don't jump back into the same program that you were doing beforehand. <laughs> Uh, you need a gradual progression and yeah don't expect to be at the same level that you were at pre-covid like yeah. for myself like i'm saying i want to be at the same numbers in the gym i'd say within three to six weeks because yeah. do you know I, I think to be honest like um people will get back to their previous levels quicker than they think um especially if you have been doing like some little bit over this quarantine period yeah. uh but yeah i think that's a realistic expectation for athletes like who have been doing their bit over quarantine to be back to their pre-covid level within like three to six weeks so, so yeah, yeah not too bad and just one last point just remember to enjoy when you go back appreciate appreciate sport because when 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 it was taken away people we we missed something dearly and now it's back so just enjoy it yeah 100 couldn't agree more so our socials so at instagram yeah. uh we are at the underscore performance project uh, my own personal Instagram is the Performance Physio, and yours, Sean. Mine is at Sean Powder ninety seven, and we recently set up a website, the the Performance Project net. So check it out. Yes, give it a look. Okay, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Thanks a minute.